I want to welcome you to the show. You're the first guest of my 2021 horror series. As I do this every year, I want to welcome you live through 65 iHeartRadio, Sports and Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. We have the one and only Jan Birch. Jan Birch, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You survived the whole Instagram, Facebook shutdown today? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I thought it was something wrong with my Wi-Fi like half the day. I'm like, frick, I can't get anything. And then I look at my computer and I was on Wi-Fi. I'm like, it's got to be something else. Yeah. And then I then I, uh, you know, then I this notifications came across the screen saying mm-hmm. this is down and this is down. So it made sense. But, you know, that was kind of nice not to uh, feel the, 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 the urge to go on Facebook every five minutes. <laughs> it was. I was saying the same <laughs> thing earlier. I was saying that I, I, I said that a couple of days ago, actually, because I was thinking about it. I wish we could just go back to times where we didn't rely on social media because see how peaceful it was earlier. I feel as though yeah. that the phones control us. Yeah, they do. I mean, even just making phone calls, you know, it's 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 uh, it's hard maybe for the for the teenagers or the or the you know college students today to realize that when when you know only a few years ago we did we had pagers. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That was years ago. Yeah, yeah. Or you come home and you have this machine and you push play and see who called. I mean, you might be gone all day. You have messages. You have like twenty five messages when you came home, and at least. It wasn't like you got to talk to me now, do this now, got to call this now, text this, text that. You know, it's uh, in a way you feel handicapped without it, I think, mm. because you're so used to having it now. At the same time, you know, sometimes it is me. I have to just take a break and realize, dude, I haven't had this all my life. So, you yeah. know, we su- we've survived well without it. So, you know, take, you know, chill out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I remember being young, even in elementary school, when social media didn't exist. And the, the people that are, are born nowadays, they're never going to have that experience of living life in reality, actual reality. <laughs> no, not at all. And I mean, I, I, I have nieces and nephews, and they never speak to a single person anymore. They just text. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like, well, no, he hasn't texted me back yet. I'm like, just call him. Oh, no, no, I, I can't call him. I have to text him, you know. that's how it is especially when you go to the movies nowadays and it's even affecting the movies with social media and technology because if you think about it all the new movies especially through the pandemic and if you heard about the new halloween halloween kills they're showing that on peacock so you're seeing the movie industry change a lot especially during these times with covid and social media yeah for sure for sure i mean it's good and bad i think uh we we got we have so much outlet now so that's a good thing, uh, you know, for actors and so forth. Like I think uh, uh, Netflix, you know, released like something 455 TV shows last year, some some ridiculous amount. So obviously, it's a lot of lot more work out there. Um, at the same time, I think we we you know we're losing something because it's so much. It's kind of waters it out. So it's uh, you know you, you and and what what I do too. I'm guilty. I get stuck on the Netflix, on the Hulus or the Voodoo's where you can just stream, stream, stream. And now I, can't, I, I, I lean back sometimes and I realize, well, this network show was canceled. This was canceled because nobody's watching the networks anymore. They're just doing the streaming thing. Exactly. You know, which, which is sad, too, because you still need the prime time. It's still something special, with I believe, anyway, with yeah. just like the real networks and the and the cable channels and all that stuff that we, you know, went from network to cable, now it's streaming. It's, it's, you know, obviously you're going to get some, uh, you're going to get, you, you know, you're going to get, get some victims out of this in the industry, obviously, because everybody can't really fit, but, um, you know, I welcome it. Mm-hmm. It's more work. It's a lot more outlet. It's a lot more to choose from at the same time. You know, I miss a little bit where they gave, you know, and they, like the friends, for example, the TV show friends, it took mm-hmm. three seasons before they actually had good viewers. Wow. Um, you know, and Seinfeld too. Seinfeld, I think they gave, you know, three or four seasons. I have thunder here in LA today. I can't, I don't know if you hear it, but we yeah, I, rarely I have, <laughs> I rarely have thunder and it's like, man, it's going down right now. Wow. Um, anyway, you know, they gave those shows three, four years before they said, hey, yes or no, because it took, took a couple of years for the audience to get used to something like Friends. It was like, first, like, what is this? And then all of a sudden it grows on you. They don't do that anymore, unfortunately. No. Now it's like uh, on network level, after two episodes, all of a sudden it's gone. It's like, what happened? Well, we didn't get the viewers the first two, three episodes. It's, they don't even give it a season. No. 
and that I think that's the downfall of having a lot of outlet. Obviously, having a lot of the uh, materials and a lot of releases because, uh, as a as a you know filmmaker or TV producer, you don't get the same chance. Or and if you're an actor in those shows, you don't really get the chance. You you kind of pray that everybody hits it out. Or, you know, hit, does a home run the first pilot. Otherwise, you might not be around. No. <laughs> You got that right. Well, let's start off from the beginning here. I want to get into yeah. your early life of growing up in Sweden, because I read online that you were able to move all over the world in different countries early on. And, and you got into acting because of your father. He was in the business. But tell me about life growing up in Sweden. Life in Sweden is fantastic. And like I said, I'm not an immigrant because I don't like where I came from. I mean, it's not and it's not like, uh, you know, a lot of people now from Central America and, and stuff, they, you know, they don't they, they they're looking for a better life which I totally understand that, that side. Coming from Sweden, that's not why you move here because life is great in Sweden. But specific industries and entertainment is one of them. It's very small, very close, very everybody, every, the same actors works on every single freaking project. You know, it's like it's a little click. And if you're not in the click uh, and you want to continue doing this for a living, you, you know, I had, no, I had no choice. I had to bail. And actually, as a teen, I was reading online that you were in something in Sweden, you took place in some teen shows similar to MTV, you were on a couple of MTV type of shows in Sweden. Yeah, it's called uh, uh, Young, Young, too, Young Again, or Young Two, whatever it's like, if you translate it, it was a, it was a, it was a, a show for, for teenagers, we played music videos. And we also played a lot of like uh, uh, domestic band music videos that was not necessarily on mtv but they sent in tapes mm -hmm. you know like people sent in demos to record companies they sent in tapes to us so we aired like you know uh amateur made basically music or unsigned band made videos uh we had a lot of those that was uh that was fun i was uh young <laughs> uh, <laughs> like 13 14 uh, you know it was a blast so oh did that and then i was a uh, uh, host of a show called uh, the children's journal there was mm -hmm. another show by kids for kids it was all the reporters you know if you see an, another kind of show we had reporters go out in the field but they're all kids the reporters were kids the sound men was kids the cameraman was kids it was kid the crew was kids uh it was one you know that was a really cool thing they did actually because everybody obviously our bosses were adults mm -hmm. uh but, but the crew, the cast, the guests, every, everybody was like, you know, between 13 and 20. So that was another show I was involved in. As far as education goes, you were very skilled in mathematics. And I, I think mechanics, is that right? And mechanical engineering. Mechanical yes. engineering, okay. Yeah, I got a bachelor's in that. It's, uh, it's one of those things. My, uh, my dad, as, as you mentioned, was an entertainer, musician, producer, director, actor. And uh, he became an engineer uh, to have something to fall back on. And, and then he, he, you know, he finally made it as an entertainer, but he always told me, you know, get, to, get your education, have something to fall back on. Worst, worst case scenario, you, cannot, you can always be an engineer. That was like, that's my worst case, and <laughs> that's my worst case engineer, you know, scenario. So yeah, I got the education. I never really worked as it, I, I have, a couple of side companies where the education really obviously helps when it comes to uh, uh, what I did study and so forth, especially the math. Math, you know, in daily life, you can, you can use math everywhere. Um, I studied a lot of mathematics. Uh, numbers came easy. And to go back to the time uh, where we, before we had these cell phones, yeah. I had about 2,500 phone numbers in my head. <sighs> in the old days it's just numbers stuck i couldn't tell you what the person looked like but i know his number <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest thing i met people and i'm like uh don't remember your name but your phone number is that 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 so it's just you know people are different my brain worked with numbers mm -hmm. so it came easy got your education and and obviously the number thing i use in my daily life every day so you know, I would say that to anybody that's that doesn't know why to study mathematics. Trust me, I've been an actor my whole life and I use it every day. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
getting into the horror genre and films, your first film, as far as horror goes, was Roger Corman's Slumber Party Massacre 3. Tell me about your experience with working with Roger Corman. Oh, that was great. I, I was just blessed and fortunate. I didn't really know what I was stumbling into. Uh, this was two years after I moved here. And I, uh, in the beginning, you know, it was tough to get in, period. I got myself a management and so forth. And then uh, they sent me over back to Europe to do some more modeling. And I did some modeling over here. And then I, you know, I really wanted that uh, acting thing to take off. So I did some music videos. I did the Dangerous Toys Scared. It was a lead male on that one. A good old rock and roll band uh, that some people probably remember. It was on MTV all the time in those days. And then I was, uh, I was blessed enough to be... Uh, in those days, remember the music videos was like short films, you mm -hmm. know? So a lot of them, at least the rock and roll. So I got a lead in that Macaulay Schenke groups, a couple of videos for them. Uh, and after that, finally, I got called into uh, Concord Horizons uh, over here in uh, Brentwood, way actually close to where I live right now, and uh, met with uh, with uh, Roger and his team, and uh, and I got the part as a as a you know the twist in Slubby Party Massacre Three, the one that they wanted me to, they wanted the audience to think I'm the killer, but I ended you know I ended up being killed myself, but it was an interesting part. And uh, I was very happy and blessed. And it wasn't until afterwards I realized that I was in really good company with Kevin Costner and Jack Nicholson and multiple names. Their first film was with Roger Corman. <laughs> so I'm like, whoa, this is not a bad thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, 1991 comes around. You get the opportunity to be in People Under the Stairs. How did you eventually get this role? Was this just an ordinary audition in which they called you in and you performed? Because I know you were originally auditioning as Roach. Yeah. Uh, I, I came in everybody for... Basically, I think Wes didn't have it all set in the script yet. He had Roach set. That was the, that was the kid in the walls. Mm -hmm. And then he had this other pack, which was one main character who became the Stand Master. But... He didn't even have the name Stamaster. The big the one was, was originally the name, right? Yeah, the big yeah. one. It was called the big one. So I, it was a normal audition. I went in and I read for Eileen Knight. And um, I read for Roach. I mean, we, we, everybody had to do the Roach thing. And then uh, three days later, I think, I got a call back with Wes in the room. So it was just Wes and me. And I did the same thing. I had to do a lot of crawling around on the floor and a lot of just because Roach had no tongue either. It was like both the characters had no tongue. No. We were one of the kids that had the tongue cut up. So I did everything that Roach had to do and just basically try to express, do express like Wes call it. Show me what you're saying without saying anything. That's what I need. So he gave me different scenarios and I had to <clears throat> act to try to convince him that that's what I was saying you know, over and over again. And it went really well, uh, apparently, because uh, the next day they call and they, they booked me. So <laughs> very, very, I, and I have to be, I have to be honest. I had no idea either how big that was. When I, when I, I knew Wes Craven's name, I knew Freddy Krueger, but I had no idea. When I went to KB Studios to do the, to the body cast and the face cast and everything else, like a few days after I booked it, they did it right away. I come into the KB studios with Greg Nicotero and you know now the you know director of Walking Dead and so forth. And he has his own show on Shutter and uh, and Howard Berger and Bob Kurtzman, the KB. Uh, I walk in there and I see all these things around the wall and this place from all these movies. And and uh, and uh, Greg comes up to me and said, Congratulations. And I'm like, thank you, but you know, for what? He said, You're now a lead in a Wes Craven movie. Do you realize what that means for you? I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Then I turn around and I see a full naked body cast of Ving Rhames right next to me. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, what is this? <laughs> oh, So I knew I was on to something at that point. Definitely a hit film as it was in the box office for on the top charts, actually top 10, number one, for 10 weeks is that right six weeks number six one weeks. i think it was on top five or top six for six for ten 
but it was actually number one for six weeks straight. Wow. Yeah. That was a well surprise deserved. even. Yeah, it was just, uh, that was a surprise even for Wes, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, God bless him, you know. But um, I can't ask him now. But, uh, uh, you know, he just wanted to make a really, really good movie. But it came out Halloween, 1991. So it was like the perfect timing. And, and we were just fortunate enough that it was not any other really big horror movies going up against us at that point, you know, like the Halloween type movies. And, uh, and we just cleaned house week after week. So it became a mainstream hit at that time. And it's over time, it's become the cult hit. So you've had the best of both worlds with that film. That is definitely true. And it's rare. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing that I, I you know, I, I thank God for. That was a, I'm blessed for that, of course, to have a cult hit and and a box office hit. Uh, they're very far and few in between, and and I'm I'm very very lucky to be part of one of them. Mm-hmm. Definitely a great film. But getting into the into the makeup process, this this took six hours. Is that is that correct? That is correct. Six hours for six weeks. <laughs> Double six. Yeah, every day. Uh, in the end, I have to say, um, you know, they were down to, you know, some days they might have done it in four, four and a half. It got a little faster. It all depends on what else was going on during the day. But it was on average, it was about six. And uh, you made good friends with the makeup artist, too, because he was the one that did the design of the dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Yes, he did. He was he did. Actually, he was handpicked. Mark Matry, a very good friend of mine now. He was handpicked by Steven Spielberg to. Uh, to sculpt the only life-size dinosaur in Jurassic Park, the original. And Godzilla. Yep. Very, very, very talented guy. He, he was a groomsman at my wedding, uh, you know, nine years later. So <laughs> we, got, we got, you know, six, six hours a day for six weeks. You get to know somebody quite well. <laughs> <laughs> the story that I always love hearing when I, when I listen to either interviews or panels that you take place on is when you tell the story about the, the people coming in from Universal because you guys were over budget and Wes was on the roof hiding from yeah. him, waiting for them to leave so he could finish the film <laughs> yeah 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 it's one of those yeah, it's one of those very very dear memories of mine um real quick you know i know you heard it but real quick uh, for anybody who hasn't mm-hmm. i can do the short version um i come to set as usual like 6 a.m or something because i have you know i have to sit six hours before i even work and everybody it's everything's different i go into renmar studios here by gower and sunset in hollywood and everybody's running around like rats, like ants or rats or whatever. And, and nobody's stopping. And I'm like, hey, every, you know, nobody's like, hey, how are you? Good morning. What's up? Do you want some coffee? Nobody's talking to me. Everybody's running like this. And I, I walk up to, the, to my, to my um, room and I, I get my stuff down and I walk over to the makeup. And everybody's straight. Even Mark was a little bit like shaky and shakier than normal. And I'm like, what's going on here? Oh, the suits are coming. The suits are coming from Universal. We over budget. They might shut us down. And, and you know how people are, humans. There's just a human nature. They, I hear things, I overheard things like, oh my God, my kid's going to college. I can't lose this movie. Please don't shut me down. I mean, like it was that kind of attitude or, or energy in the, in the room or in the studio, so to speak. Uh, everybody's very concerned. Uh, everybody except Wes, which tells you a lot about this fantastic, wonderful man that he was. Um, nobody could find him. So I'm walking around and him and I had quite a very, you know, close relationship after, you know, at, at this time, at, at this point, we, we were quite close. So we had, I, he had some spots that he usually hide out or if he doesn't want to be disturbed that I knew about, or we used to hang out with. So I checked a few, didn't see him. Everybody's asking me, where is he? Where is he? They're coming. So the suits, the show, suits show up, this whole train of people in, in, in actually in black suits and ties and, and uh, walking around from room to room and asking a million questions about the producers and this and that. And why is this taking so long? And why is this is happening here? Nobody could. And where's Wes? Nobody could find Wes. So I think, okay, I think I know where he's at. So I go behind the studio into the fire ladder. And if you take the fire ladder from the corner of one of the sides, there's only on one corner. The other ones were blocked, but it was one that was, the lock, the lock was actually, the padlock was broken, uh, which is, you know, everybody didn't know about that, of course. So I got up to that on that fire ladder and I peek out and yes, uh, lo and behold, there lies Wes on his back 
straight up in the blue sky with the sun up, completely quiet. He didn't even move his head when I, you know, I know he could feel I was there. So I just said, hey, Wes. He said, yeah. I said, are you all right? He said, I'm fine. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm waiting for them to leave so I can make my movie. <laughs> <laughs> Legendary. So, yeah, that was uh, one of my best experiences with Wes was that day because just for me as a, uh, you know, a 20 something at that point, realizing that this guy knows what he's doing. This guy submitted the script. He got the green light. He got the, the money. He might be over budget right now, but he knows they're going to make money. Like we saw in the end, six weeks, number one, they had nothing to worry about. Nobody needed to come to set. Uh, so his confidence and, and passion of what he was doing at the same time that he was more concerned about getting it done right than getting it done fast uh, tells you a lot about him. Cared about his work, and it shows, especially in the outcome of the movie. It's one of the greatest horror films of all time. It oh yeah, hundred percently is. For sure, for sure. I mean, hey, if he would have been in there, you know, you never know if he would have been a little bit weaker on this or that, or or nervous about things. He might have listened to them for a second and cut something out, or try to speed roll it and and cut some corners, and we wouldn't have the movie we have today. No, and it's still uh, talked about today. I'd love to hear the first time that you met. I think Rames on the set. Uh, we didn't work together, mm -hmm. so I just met him very briefly. Just uh, he wasn't he wasn't known then either, uh, which is interesting. You know, he was he was doing his he was doing his thing like everybody else. He had a few days on this, and he's like so happy to get the work. And uh, he was just. Uh, I remember I met him at KMB, and he was complaining that he had to get naked and get plastered and stuff. I remember that he's like, "Oh, what a fucking thing! I have to go to fucking do this fucking thing." And I'm like, hey, you, you, you're making money. He said, well, I hope they do over eight because I want a fucking overtime to get naked. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, and Brandon Adams, too. I read the story. I don't know if it was in the article that I read that was recently written about people under the stairs and what you reposted on Twitter. I think it, it was. Is it called The Rap? Is that the name of the? The Rap. The, the Rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. A, I, yeah, I did a full blown guest blog interview on the, on the rap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I think I read in that article or another one that during the scene with you, with Brandon Adams, Wes Craven took Brandon Adams outside and they ran around the block to get ready for his scene. Yeah. That was another really wonderful story that, that, uh, I, I don't mind telling and mm -hmm. that I'm never going to forget. So it just tells you again, what kind of person Wes is. Um, it was late at night. It was one of the last scenes of the movie, but one of the most pivotal scenes because I'm sitting with, Brandon at this point, face to face, and he's trying to tell me, and I can't speak back, as we know, mm -hmm. how to get out of the house. He has found a way out for us. So he let us out of the cage kind of thing, but then he also figured out a way how to get out through the chimney and, you know, the house exploded and all that, as we all know now. But when we sat there, we didn't really know what was going to happen. So he sat me down and he tried, he has to explain to me how to get out and what's out there because I haven't been out my whole life. Remember I was kidnapped as a baby and I've been inside. I, when he said sun, I don't even know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so you had like the sun, the birds, all that, all that, all the lines we have in that. It's quite, it's quite deep. If you think about where I come from at that point, the character that I played, the stand master had never seen by memory, never seen the sun because you don't really remember anything, you know, after two two years old or what i mean before two years old you don't you don't remember really anything as we all know so he had to explain to me what that was about for me to get the the the, the power and the surge to want to go out so we sat there and we took and obviously like you know as you can understand from the explanation it's an important scene it's very important and, but it's also the, one of the last scenes of the day and everybody, the crew started getting restless. Every, everybody go home. Everybody wanted to like, you know, be done already. This is Wes, again, the epitome of meditation, I say. He steps back and he chills and he says, hey, Brandon, come here. So Brandon comes to him, 11 years old at this point, just a kid. 
and he takes his hand and he starts jogging straight out of the stage. Nobody knew where he was going at that point. He just looked back right before he turned and said, you guys be ready. So he jumped, runs out and he runs around Renmar Studios. At that point, it's probably about two and a half blocks because it's, you know, it's, it was a big area. He runs around, jogs the whole way around the studio with, with, with Brandon, comes in hand in hand, throws him more or less, like in a good way, not in a bad way, but like tosses him onto the set and calls action, action. And Brandon just landed on his knee, sweating, looking at me and said the first line. And that's the take you see in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he's such, le- he's just so legendary, Wes Craven. Just these stories that you hear and you never hear anything negative about him. And he's anytime I hear a story about him, I've interviewed a lot of actors that have worked with him. It's always positive. I haven't heard a single negative thing about him before or after working with him either. And, and, and knowing the relationship we had as friends, uh, the biggest heart, like I always say to people, he is nothing like his movies. No, he's completely <laughs> opposite. He has the biggest heart. He's very loving. He, he, has passion and wants to help. And, you know, the last thing on his mind is to, to scare somebody or kill somebody like in real life. Yeah. <laughs> what he writes on the other hand, that's a completely different ball game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps that inside. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's, he, he's a, uh, he's a gem. He's one of the, the, you know, one of the best people I've ever met in this industry. I think mm-hmm. in, in all around heart, compassion, understanding, support. I mean, all through the years, you know, we talked and he supported whatever I was doing. And yeah, uh, That's right. I mean, I, I was up for a Warner Brothers film once and I just said, hey, Wes, do you think, you, because the director said, I need to know, I need to hear from other directors. So I actually had both Wes Craven and uh, Chuck Russell. Wes Craven, God bless you. It's not here anymore. Chuck Russell's still here that I did bless the child with. And thank you so much, Chuck. Uh, they both re- wrote amazing letters for me for, for Warner wow. Brothers, which I really appreciate. Wow, I'm like, well, I was, I was that good to work with. <laughs> 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 no, oh. very, very appreciated and makes you quite humble mm-hmm. uh, when, they, when the giants say, yeah, yeah, I would work with them again. You know, uh, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. It does. Everett, I heard that he was just crazy to work with. I know he doesn't like going to the cons, though. He's kind of just staying out of the light, and he does some acting here and there. I know he did the Twin Peaks, the new reboot or whatever it was I was reading online, but he, he kind of stays out of the fray. How about Wendy? Does she ever when, come out? No, Wendy comes out once in a blue, mm-hmm. these conventions and stuff. It's also a little bit not as uh, much uh, hermit as uh, Everett. You know, he, he, he wants to stay in his own little thing. But uh, Wendy comes out at the time is right. Uh, we have been trying to get her out for the last few years for other things, and she did not. But uh, she has done some conventions. And Everett has two. Once in, a, once in a blue, he comes out, but very, very rarely. Mm-hmm. Has he held uh, a panel with you for the people under the stairs? No, he has no. not. And neither has Wendy. I mean, we were hoping, I have to say. But, you know, obviously, COVID uh, put a pin in that. Yeah. We were hoping for twenty for twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty, before COVID hit, like on two or two thousand nineteen, basically, me and Sean Whalen and Brandon were talking that we were going to reach out to Wendy and Everett and 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 uh, Al, uh, AJ in London and see if we can get more. Because the four of us, you know, Kelly, Joe, me, Brandon, and Sean, we've gone out a lot mm-hmm. together. Uh, and we just thought, hey, maybe we can get a fifth or a sixth or something for, for the 30th anniversary. Uh, and we really, we really did a whole list and we wanted to, you know, and we were going to blow out. You have no idea. We were, we were supposed to be at a minimum one convention a month for 2020. I mean, for 2021. It was all planned for the 30th and uh, it did not happen. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. And happy oh, 30th, too, because that's, yeah. this is a classic. It's a classic. We only have one now. We only have one reunion this year so far, and it's going to be in New Mexico, Halloween weekend, coming up, uh, New, New Mexico Comic Con Expo, I think it's called. All four of us, me, 
uh, Sean, Brandon, and Kelly. We're going to do the only 30th anniversary. So if you're close to New Mexico, wherever you're from, whoever listens to this, you should come out, hang out with us. 100%. They have to. I, I wish Everett and Wendy would come out because they really, they nailed their roles in this. They, you bought their performances. And Everett, I'm sure the people would love to have him come out because he was the, the priest in Silver Bullet. I'm sure the horror fans would go crazy if he came out for a convention. Oh, I'm sure. And, and he's great and he's good. He's so good in this role. And what Wes did with it, you know, you know, it's based on a true story. But, That's right. You know, Wes puts the fiction thing, obviously the bondage leather stuff. There was stuff that he came up with that we don't, you know, obviously we don't have no idea if that was true or not, uh, including Wes. But what, uh, how Everett just took it on and just said, bring it on. Whatever, what do you want me to do? How crazy do you want me to be? You know, he coming straight up. He was in the middle of Twin Peaks at that point. And what I like is that Wes casted Wendy in uh, and Everett. And he basically told him from what I heard from him and overheard on set, just do your Twin Peaks characters with my script. Just, you know, play it. Play it. I want what you do on TV, but I want it on screen. I want it on film. And, and that's kind of what we got. It worked, especially the, you can't forget the, the hot bath scene you that's oh my god with, with, <laughs> with aj that's like i cringe when i see it now i i you know oh yeah that's a great scene and 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 obviously the climax scene which uh uh when you break gives, out of the stairs which gives the name to the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> when i come over the stairs and and uh, i have the standoff with wendy me and aj i that i think that was that's one of the best scenes of the movie hundred percent. It's just, it's an all time classic. And you know, the house is actually a real house. That's where famous movies are shot. They rent them out for movie sets. Have you been to the house in, in recent times? I know there's a lot of horror fans that go online that go and take pictures in front of the house. If you're a true fanatic. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't been there for a while. I mean, it's not too far from me. Uh, it's in the old part of LA where uh, in the thirties, it was big mansions, very wealthy. Now it's kind of like, the other way around is more of a ghetto area, but they have all these old homes. They're, they're starting to rejuvenate them now, luckily, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, so a lot of people are, are buying them and, and putting some money into it because they're gorgeous homes. They're all like, you know, authentic thirties homes, twenties uh, and thirties. And um, yeah, no, I haven't been there lately, but we did shoot, I did shoot in that house for, I shot a lot in the studio, I have to say, but mm -hmm. all the last, the, the, the scenes of me walking out of the house in the end of the movie, blowing up the house, that explosion is real. Mm -hmm. We blew the roof of that freaking house. <laughs> so, you know, the, you know, the, the owners of that house are used to it. Like you just, whatever you do, you just have to fix it afterwards because it's, nobody lives there. It's just used for movies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that explosion, we blew, we blew the sea, we blew the roof. There's no, there's no green screen. There's no, there's no special effects. Uh, Wes just said, load it up and blow up, blow, blow up, blow up the roof. So that's <laughs> what they did. That's that's real, what you see on screen. Wow. And even the stunt man that played Everett in the explosion, if you remember, in the explosion, he he flies out on the, the woodboards. Yeah, he broke his back really i never stunt. heard that that's that's crazy he broke his back doing that stunt because he missed the mat uh uh unfortunately knock on wood he's he's alive i th i mean i think i haven't checked the last few years but he survived he survived the stunt uh for sure but he did break his back that, that was one of the bad things with that with that scene um because i remember we had to stop everything when the you know emts and the ambulance and everything came and had to pick him up but he survived he was fine um but yes not only did there was a real explosion that was a real fall too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even missed the padding <laughs> oh uh, insane yeah the dvd yeah. menu when you turn on the dvd menu you come up what was your reaction the first time that you were the face of the dvd menu as a stairmaster oh i like it yeah yeah, yeah i mean i mean they, like i said before when i first got the script my character was called the big one. So I read through the script and I, I kept going to, to Wes saying, it's not too much here. What do you want me to do in this? And he said, I, I didn't know what to write until I had you. So he said, now when I have you, 
Let's figure this shit out. So every day when I sat in the makeup chair, he came with new sides, new pages. He said, okay, today I added these three pages for you. Today I added these four pages for you. And then I think on the third or fourth day, very early, third or fourth day of the shooting, he said, I got your name. I'm like, what do you got? He said, you're the stand master. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He said, uh, so, I mean, he, he created a, a cult figure right there, right on the spot. I'm like, I'll take that all day long. At that point, the exercise machine was very popular. So I remember, <laughs> I remember they tried to get me a deal with the Stairmaster uh, equipment and all that shit. That was fun. Uh, that was a, that's a side note, but it was, but it was fun because we were negotiating me being on the actual Stairmaster and stuff. Uh, yeah, that's a, a whole different story, but uh, something to mention. Um, but yes, uh, every day he added pages and he created a character name three to four days in, I think I knew who, who I was. And after that, it was just more and more and more. And he just said, you are so vital into this. So now you just have to always be on your 10. And I'm like, you know, you got it. You, you, he said, you lead the whole pack. Now you, the, you, the alpha. So I expect a lot from you. And uh, that's how it went. That is, that's how I went. You stay close friends with him for years. I was reading that in the early 2000s, he wanted to make a, a remade version of the, an actual movie for people under the stairs. And then eventually I heard that he was going to work on a TV series for sci-fi and that didn't pan out. Did Wes tell you about any of the ideas? Because he was going to have you a part of it. Did he tell you any ideas of what he had going on in his mind as far as the series or the movie? Yeah, the original idea was a sequel about the people on the stairs out in public. What, what happened after, because the movie ends, we walk out of the house and everybody, you know, the money is raining down. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, if you remember one of the last looks on the screen is just a stairmaster looking at the screen, smiling. Mm -hmm. And so Wes wanted to, want, first, the first idea was he wanted to take that somewhere. So what happens with these guys has been, in a cage basically since they were babies what happens when they're on this you know in civilization that was the stairmaster two that was the first idea and we 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 threw ideas back and forth of what we would do and what they would do and how they would be in society and all that that didn't happen and then they came to him in the early 2000s and wanted to do a reboot or remake and he said he, he was discussing it for a while and he just decided, and we, did, we had long conversations about this on the phone. And he just said, you know, I don't think I can beat the first one. I don't care how much money you give me. Because they were talking 20, 30, $40 million budget. And we did the original for six. Okay. So all of a sudden now, and you know, it's like, like they Rob Zombie's Halloween. You know, all of a sudden it went from a million dollars to $50 million. But they, <laughs> they still made it, you know. He said, I don't know if I want to do that with this movie because it's such an original and you throw me $50 million. I don't know if I can do a better job or a better movie. So he ended up turning it down because his whole thing was, if I can't make it better, why make it at all? So that did not pan out uh, for you know different reasons. But then... 2015 in May, he actually signed a deal with uh, Sci-Fi and uh, Universal Independent Television, UIP, and uh, for a series, the People Under Stairs TV series. And that one he did want to make really badly. He, he uh, contacted me. We were going back and forth. He said, I'm doing this series. I just signed the deals. It's, it's a lot of work before it happens, but you're in it. And I want to keep talking to see how we're going to do this, but it's going to be a fantastic series and uh, you're very involved. And that was exciting. It was very exciting. And, you know, obviously I keep my texts and tweets since then, mm -hmm. especially after he was gone, yeah. because it's, it's very dear to me. Two months after that in August, he unfortunately passed away. So that deal, uh, I spoke to the actually, that deal died but they kept it alive for a while. One of the producers on the show, Wid West, is a good friend of mine now. And he said that, you know, it's technically still pending, but without West, it's not going to happen. No. So. Mm -hmm.
And we've heard about the Jordan Peele that he's interested in producing a remake. Do you think that you're going to be in it? Is he going to reach out? Well, if you're listening, Jordan, why, how can you not have me in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, you know, joke aside, uh, I think he's going to do a great job. I think he did great with Candyman. I think he got a nice twist on that. And he used Tony Todd, my old buddy, Tony. Tony was in the, in the reboot. God bless you, uh, uh, Jordan, because Tony definitely deserves to be in that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, hoping, wishing, thinking, yes, I would love to be in the reboot. Uh, <laughs> that is a definite. <laughs> it's got to happen. I'm sure he'll bring Brandon Adams back, too. Oh, Brandon, maybe Sean, maybe Kelly. Cast, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In some capacity. I don't know. But I do know that uh, it's very it, it's very seriously discussed. And I think he's further along than than the media knows. And uh, yeah, I'm very interested. So hopefully, knock on wood. <laughs> you had your work after this. You had your work on Charmed. How was your experience on Charmed? Sean was great. Sean was great with the three girls. I was uh, in uh, with, uh, you know, when Rose McGowan was in there, not the, not the first three, the second three. Uh, and Alyssa Milano and, and, uh, and Holly. I actually have a, a fun story about that because my first job ever in this country was an Adidas dance fashion show with Alyssa Milano as the lead. Wow, <laughs> it she came was, full circle. <laughs> she was like 11 or 12. She was, she was, I don't know if she was even a teenager. She was 12 or 13 maybe. And she was the, the name, because she had that Who's the Boss show at the point at the time. So Adidas hired her and a bunch of other actors slash dancers for Adidas fashion show. And uh, that, was one, that was my first job, my first paying gig. Uh, I did Adidas dance fashion show with Alyssa Milano, uh, you know, <laughs> nineteen eighty eight, something like that. Insane! <laughs> it all comes for full circle because then you're on Charmed. Yeah, no, yeah. I we talked about that when I was on Charmed, and you know what? I was with, I was acting with Richard Lynch. Uh, God bless him too. Uh, his passing. Uh, it was one of his last jobs. I was I was fortunate enough. I never worked with him before, and. I came on set and, and they, they, the main guest stars was me and Richard. And I'm like, shit, you know, I love to work with you. So we, we sat, you know, we hung out a lot on set and he was my boss on Charmed. Like in, a, in Charmed, he was the, the boss demon. And I was, you know, the cane, the head of the warlocks. He's sitting at the table talking. So um, we had a really good time, uh, me and Richard and the girls. I, I enjoy them very much. I think Holly had a major flu at the time which would if it would have been in covid times would have been <laughs> scary but at those times it was like like well as long as like stay you know stay away from me basically no mm-hmm. hugs but i remember that we had a really good time on set people under the stairs slumber party massacre three charmed deaf house you become a horror icon in your own right what's that mean to you when you have all these fans that say that you're a horror icon it means a lot uh, horror fans are special, I have to say, in a good way. Uh, they're very loyal. They're very, they, they follow you to the, end of, to the end of the world. You know, if, if you tell them that, they're, uh, that you're going here and there, they come. I, like, I have super fans that travel anywhere, for any convention, which is, which is that, that's typical for the horror community. I love that part of it. I love the commitment. I love the passion. Uh, at the same time, I, I am an actor, you know, I, I, I love to do comedy and drama and like I, like I said- Everything, I, you I, like to I, work. I, yeah, I sing, I dance, I play music. I'm like, you know, I can do the sound of music if you want to. <laughs> but I obviously, I don't uh, mind at all what happened that I, I fell into a little bit of possibly typecasting in the horror because my first movie was Slumber Party Massacre 3. I didn't plan it that way. I didn't come in and say, I'm gonna be in the horror movies. Uh, you know, some cheekbones and slanted eyes and that kind of shit helped. Uh, and the fact that I can look at somebody and think I'm going to kill them without me saying a word, that doesn't hurt either. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm a nice guy. Otherwise, it's like, you know, looks aside. Um, I like to do everything. I just like to work. But I don't mind. I don't see myself in a box. I see myself 
very fortunate to have a box to play in, mm -hmm. but I also enjoy playing in the other boxes. If that makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. You like to work. You're you're diverse. You like to get involved yeah. with everything. Ninety nine problems is an example as well. Yeah, yeah. No, he did use my <laughs> menacing look on that one as well. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that is doing fantastic right now. Ninety nine problems with Michael Cahill as the director, and and Rob Harper and uh, Rob Harper and uh, Richard Joel and Tori London as producers are doing a fantastic job. They did this proof of concept for Netflix. Uh, shooting a, as a short a short pilot you can call it it's a 16 minute pilot basically uh to prove the concept which is a twilight zone theme and right now i just got the email right now we have 94 wins or nominations around the world 94 congratulations that's huge thank you so much uh yeah we won best new tv pilot in the Bur burbank international film festival uh, just two, three weeks ago with uh, Bruce Davidson gave us the award with the whole uh, Bridges family was there being honored, uh, Bo and, 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 and Jeff and so forth. And, um, and, and Lloyd, their father was honored too, of course. And the daughter, you know, the daughter is, uh, Emily was doing, actually was honored for one of her films at the film festival. It was a, a great event. Uh, we're actually in now in NoHo, uh, Cine, 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 Cine I think, uh, the North Hollywood Film Festival is going on right now with 99 Problems being one of the main features uh, as, a, as a short, uh, up for a lot of awards. Uh, best ensemble cast, best actress, best actor, best DP, best director, everything. Uh, we're trying to go out, we, we said when we started, let's get to 99 because we have 99 Problems, let's get 99 awards. And uh, it's only, we're five off. So, I think that's going to happen. Mm. I, I think it, it let, let's hope it does. And I think it will a hundred percent. I do too. And then yeah. there was one of those roles too, where I don't say too much, but when I do speak, it means something. And it's all about the mannerisms and the looks, uh, which I've been fortunate enough to, to get a lot of those parts. Uh, and people are, that are not familiar with acting, they might not realize that in my opinion, the hardest acting is when you can't tell them what you want. You can't say it. It's so easy if you go up to somebody and say, you know what, you know, you go to any store and say, you know, what do you want? Like you order something. If you can't say what you order, you have to try to figure out how to tell him what to order, right? Mm -hmm. Just think about that situation, but think about it in not just ordering food, in, in, the, in life. You got to get your expressions across. You got to let them know what you think and feel, but you can't say it much. Mm -hmm. You can't say much. That's one of those characters. I do speak, but I say very little, but everything else is in the eyes. Exactly. And I think that being in the horror genre, it gives you that ability because as you play the Stairmaster, if you think of, of actors such as Kane Hodder, he really brought Jason to life when he played Jason in the Friday 13th. Oh, yeah. Kane, Kane is a really good friend of mine. I think mm -hmm. he's doing a fantastic job. I've known him forever. And on a, another side note, he was actually my stunt double in Charmed. Really? Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were hanging out on set and then it was an explosion. And, and he's like, you're out, I'm in. I'm like, oh, shit. So he was doing my explosion part. And, uh, you know, it was fun. So that we always make fun of each other because, hey, you even, you know, you double for me a couple of times. <laughs> and, uh, but he has this great career on, on his own. So I'm very happy for him. I like that everyone in the horror community, as far as actors go, you're all linked and connected. I always like hearing that you're, you're one family, pretty much. Yeah, we are a lot. And that comes a lot with these conventions are good too. I mean, you, you hang out for three days, you have no choice. <laughs> you either like like each other or you don't like each other and and you know there are some people that don't like each other they say oh yeah like well i, I could yeah. point those people out I mean, you could tell the jerks from the great people trust me <laughs> you know and then you have on those conventions you have these uh you know mandatory 15 minutes at the vip party 15 minutes at the bar you let you know and and some actors no names mentioned they like they like this okay 14 and a half minutes 15 i'm out and some people which I include myself and Sean and Brandon, we would just hang out because if we didn't have the fans, we have nothing. If nobody buys these tickets, if nobody streams these movies, I don't have a job. Mm -hmm. 
So if they want to come out, spend a couple hundred bucks on a ticket and have a beer with me, I'm going to stay for that beer. You know, yeah. that, that's called I, being humble. And <laughs> I think they deserve yeah. to, you know, that's that it, it's part of the, it's part of your job. It's part of the business. It is. Know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Do you remember your first convention? When did this whole start for you of going to conventions and meeting with the fans? First convention ever was 2008, uh, Chile Theater. I started conventions late compared to when the movie came out. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did the Chile Theater in uh, 2008, New Jersey. That was my first one. Wow. i never forget that. Yeah. No, I was uh, there with Val Kilman, Billy Forsyth, and Julian Sands, and we were hanging out, and I'm like, fucking, this is great. I got to do this. <laughs> I gotta do this again. <laughs> Val Kilmer had like 400 people in line, and I'm like, shit, you know, I wanna do that. <laughs> uh, now, how many have you been able to do since COVID? Because I know you got the 130th anniversary this year with the people under the stairs, but how many have you been able to do since COVID? None. None. We haven't done a single convention. We're all a little extra careful. Some people, which I know very closely, some of my really dear friends are have, didn't really care and they went out full force. Uh, I, unfortunately, I had 14 friends and family uh, pass away. My like, condolences. You know, close, close people to me. I, I, I wanted to take it extremely serious and I didn't want to take any, you know, risks that I didn't have to do, so. And Sean and, and Brandon and, and Kelly basically on the same page. So we basically said, let's just take a break um, and don't go out for a while. Mm-hmm. And then it's also, you know, when you haven't gone out for a while, it's, it's, it's more fun when you go out. Because if you go out all the time, you see the same people. Like I said, <laughs> the horror community is so loyal. So even if you're three states away, the same person comes the next If you do it in the next weekend, next weekend, next weekend, you see the same people. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy when you, you know, not doing that too much. I enjoy when you wait a little bit and then it's more, it's, it's more of an experience when you see the people again. So uh, even without COVID, we are, you know, at least myself and the, the people on stairs uh, cast, we are, we are not, we, we do not want to uh, uh, saturate the market too much with ourselves. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we have the, the Amityville Harpist. You've been in a, a, a- Tons of horror movies. I want to get into the horror movie that frightened you as a viewer, if any. Uh, the Shining. The Shining with Jack Nicholson. The Shining is my favorite movie of all time. Um, uh, Stanley Kubrick. I I can't. I don't even have words for it. He just <laughs> he just know what to do. Uh, and 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 uh, Jack's part of that. I met Jack in person. You know, after that, uh, fortunately in my life, I've been able to meet some people. And uh, to meet Jack in person and then see The Shining is a completely different person. And I'm like, God, he was good in that. And you realize how good he was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Exorcist scared the hell out of me too. But uh, The Shining for sure. Not just being scared, just the whole concept and when a little tricycle in the hallways and, you know. It's everything. Hair. Oh, it just yeah. has it. It just has it. It's up there. It's a top five. I think we could easily say that top five. Oh yeah. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, definitely. Who's a horror icon that you haven't worked with on film that you would love to get to opportunity to work with eventually. Uh, I like to work with Robert Englund and I would like to work with Tony Todd. They're both mm-hmm. friends of mine, but we never worked together. You know, I <laughs> eventually worked with, it's going to happen. Yeah. I worked with Kane. I worked with most people on death house, as you know, <laughs> Kane was in that too. So almost every horror icon, horror icon was in uh, Death House, but uh, Robert uh, turned, you know, in, ended up not being able to do it, and then uh, and then Tony was in it, but we didn't shoot together. So we we're in the same movie, but I didn't get to work with him. It's gonna eventually happen. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, for sure. What's your proudest achievement thus far throughout your career? It could be anything. My proudest achievement. My proudest achievement, I have to go back to people on the stairs. My proudest achievement is when Wes comes in for the first time with new pages and saying, you're doing such a good fucking job. Here's more, here's more work. That I don't think I can describe how that felt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the greatest directors does that to you, yeah. 
Yeah, he adds pages because of what he's seen me do. I mean, at that that particular moment, maybe it didn't feel like a really big moment, but now now it does. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. 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 For sure. Uh, Beyond Birch, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Is there anything else you want to let the audience know, your fans know? They can follow you on Instagram at Jan Birch page and Twitter at Jan Birch. Anything that you want to let the audiences know, your upcoming work, anything? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, another thing that's not horror that I'd like people to check out is Tale of Tales with director Holly Wallen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on Tubi. It's actually on Tubi, Voodoo, and all kinds of things now, but it's main, it, it was released as a Tubi exclusive. As a TV show where I played a 60s, 70s hippie drug dealer kind of thing, and I have a lot of fun with it. And I saw so, that. I saw the I'm clip. like, yeah, I'm kind of a, a, a comedy relief on that. Uh, I, had, I had a blast with that. Holly and I done a lot of stuff together. Love working with Holly. I also have, on that note, 99 Problems, as we mentioned. When it finally comes out, check it out. And then I have uh, one movie that's out that I think people should check out is Agramon's Gate, also directed by Holly Wallen, especially the horror community. Mm -hmm. uh, play Nice Demon in that one. It's, it's getting some great traction. Um, me and Lauren Landon, we had a blast. And amazing directing by Holly. And last but not least, I just shot my first movie since pre-COVID called Beneath Us All. It's a vampire movie with Sean Whalen. We working together for the first time in 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Sean is doing a fantastic job. And Maria Olsen is in it as well. She's doing a kick-ass job. And I am playing the actual vampire. And, and I'm going from a monster type to human back and you know, like, and the whole transition is a lot of work. It's very intensive, but I think the movie is going to freaking rock and mm -hmm. knock your socks off. It should be out February 2022. I mean, I'm sure the fans, and I'll be looking forward to that. A lot of night shoots, I heard. Oh, for you. It was, yeah, it was all night shoots. Every single, I shot nights the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, being 50 something like I am now, <laughs> it's not as easy as it was when I was 25, I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. uh you know uh it took me a while to get back to normal after that one mm -hmm. but <laughs> we had we had we had a blast and yeah look out for beneath us all i think that's gonna that's gonna take over the market when that comes out and and it's so in time because interview with the vampires being reboot like three other vampire movies are in, are in development with jason bloom at bloom house um Holly knows what he's doing sometimes. He's got this intuition about what to shoot. So he's, he's one, he's a half a step or one step ahead of, of the studios. So I'm looking forward to that movie for sure. But also, please, Tale of Tales, check it out. You can watch it tonight. That's and right. It's, it's not horror, but I, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun in it. <laughs> and for all my hip hop fans out there, you could check out the people under the Sarah soundtrack for Do the Right Thing at the end of the film, of course. You can't forget about that. Oh no, that's awesome! Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, that, that had a, that had had a great soundtrack overall. Don Peak, movie. they just Don put Peak. it on Apple Music a couple months ago. Don Peak, and you know, Stu Mbessa was one of the producers. He's also right. a music music manager for some really big acts. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. and another trivia: Eminem referenced the people under the stairs in his song. Oh no, it's kind of a low key song, but you can find it on YouTube. He referenced the people under the stairs. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, we got that community for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's one of those films, like we said. I don't know how or why or, or how he did it, but it just crosses all the borders. It does. Uh, you can't say that you have to be between this age and that age of women or female or male or whatever, rock, rap. Everybody wants to watch it. Yeah. Everybody likes it. One um, of the greatest. One of those movies. And I'm, like I said, that's, uh, that, I think that's what I'm most thankful for. Mm -hmm. to be part of a movie that crosses all borders and barriers, especially in today's age, you yeah. know, with the that hashtag, this hashtag, that, you know, different <laughs> groups. He just accepted everyone and he made the movie and, and, and to make that, it's a political movie to it make is. that political statement, 1991 and, and become number one because most people didn't realize the political statement. <laughs> no, no, not everyone could read in between the lines, but not until now. Yeah. They're like, whoa, this movie was very important. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, very humbled and thankful and blessed to be involved. A hundred percent. And 
it's one of the greatest and it's undeniable. Never forget the first time I saw it. I was six years old. And ever since then, you know, it's been, uh, it's been up there. Some of my top horror movies. That's another, you had a point here to, to end with that point possibly is uh, I have so many people on conventions that come up to me and say, I was five years old when I saw this. I was seven years old when I saw this, I was nine. And I was like, <laughs> dude, it's a horror movie it was like <laughs> just one of those movies where the parents let the kids watch it it was weird they didn't let them watch freddy krueger but they let them watch people under the stairs and we had a lot of blood but it was just one of those like because there was an 11 year old lead in it so they could they could feel at home and they could actually uh feel more comfortable because they saw themselves in the kid you know yeah mm-hmm. fighting for the right thing and I think that was very important as well. I think that was, I mean, I think that was all part of uh, Wes Craven's genius. It was a hundred percent. I want to thank you for, for your achievements and recognize you for what you did for horror. And thank you for coming on the show again. And you're, and you're always welcome. Anytime you have anything that you need to promote and you want to come back on the show, you always have a spot here. Oh, I would love to come back. Love of course. To come back. I thank you again. I want you to enjoy the rest of your night and take care. All right. You too, man. Stay safe. Great being on here. I appreciate it. You too. Thank you so much. Yes. Anytime. Thank you. Yes. Bye-bye.